Hello and what's this week's Sports Zone on Salford City Radio. I'm Rob Axon. We're here talking all things sports in Salford. Joining the show this week, as ever, we've got Paul Whiteside from The Devil of Detail. Paul, looking forward to talking all things sport in Salford and beyond? Yeah, certainly am. Yeah, it's been another busy week, hasn't it, Rob? With, with football, rugby league, plenty of boxing as well at the arena on uh, Saturday night. So, yeah, looking forward to chatting all about it. Yeah, so we'll start with the boxing on Saturday in Manchester. Uh, Paul, you went uh, this week. What did you make of the event? Yeah, it was a great event. It was uh, a packed house. It was 20-odd thousand in there and there wasn't a seat to be had. The floor was full. It was a buzzing atmosphere as well. And the, the undercard was pretty good. There were some good fights on there. The local guy, Jack Massey, stepped up from, from cruiserweight to, to fight a heavyweight against Joseph Parker. And we all know Joseph Parker's been a you know world title challenger. The man from New Zealand is a very popular guy. Trains in Morecambe with Tyson Fury. So he's a real character. And it was a step up for Massey. And he just didn't quite have enough. He was a very game opponent for uh, for Parker, but uh, Parker took that that one on points. Richard Riakpour had, had another excellent win, another stoppage for him in the cruiserweight division. And uh, yeah, there was one or two other decent fights down the bill, but the main event, Liam Smith and, uh, and Chris Eubank Jr. didn't fail to deliver. It was a fantastic fight, and it was quite late on when that fight happened. It was after the eleven o'clock curfew, so it was a it was a bit strange in the arena because once you get to eleven o'clock, they're not allowed to play any music. So right. all the music sort of stops, and um, there's no music in between the rounds, and it's just like going back in time, really, in like a really old school atmosphere. So it, it was very good, but absolutely buzzing when both those boxes came out just before eleven o'clock, and uh, and and Eubank was the favourite, the big favourite for this fight, and um, yeah, he he made a, a cagey start. Uh, two different styles of Liam Smith was compact you know he doesn't give a lot away he's like a typical well he doesn't fight with Joe Gallagher anymore but he, when he used to fight with Joe Gallagher typical of what, one of his fighters really you know the way he's been brought up very very good amateur and doesn't give anything away as I said compact keeps his elbows in nice and tight whereas Eubank was the, the complete opposite really very very relaxed very low hands flicking his jab out you know and, uh, and, and, and it was yeah it was a good first couple of rounds but once Liam Smith got himself in he, he, he stalked Eubank down really and uh, he was took the centre of the ring Eubank was sort of skirting around the outsides of it and when he did catch him in the, the fourth round he caught him with a barrage of punches and a fantastic uppercut that put uh, that put Eubank on his on his back really he came stumbling forward referee held him up uh, gave him a count probably could have stopped the fight there for me he was he was all over his legs had gone Eubank but uh, but no he didn't stop the fight there he, he gave him the benefit of the doubt obviously after the, the, the count of eight Liam Smith then came pouring and finished a job, put Eubank down again, and uh, and that was the that was the game over. But uh, no, a tremendous fight. The, the crowd were thrilled, and it was a strange atmosphere as well. Liam Smith being uh, a Liverpool lad coming out at Manchester, the crowd really took to him, really got behind him, and uh, and yeah, filled that arena. And uh, fighters embraced at the end. There's been a bit of. Um, Bad blood between the two of them in the week in the press conference at the weigh-in, but they both embraced. And uh, I think there's a rematch on the cards between those two, possibly Anfield's being spoke about. So, yeah, fantastic night for boxing. And Manchester never fails to deliver, uh, you know, boxing at the MEA. It's uh, the home of boxing in the northwest, really. Would you say it was a shock result? Obviously, there was a lot of talk, like I said, pre-fight uh, about Eubank and, and uh, Smith. And, you know, people were saying that Eubank was the favourite. So, to Smith to, to come out with a victory, you know, that shock a few people. Yeah, I think so. It didn't me. I fancied Smith all the way through. I mean, you know, the, the Smith brothers—they're a real, you know, boxing dynasty. The four of them, you know, they—they they, they know the game inside out. And you know, Smith's been in with some some fantastic fighters. You know, he's fought Canelo. He's fought all over the world. And you know, Eubank's no mug, but he's never really fought anybody of, of Liam Smith's level, really. So, uh, I think perhaps. 
the general public, the pundits, and Eubank underestimated Liam Smith. Um, you know, Eubank's a bigger man, and I know there was the weight cut again, and, and people have said about him, you know, him looking drained and, and th- things like that. But I don't think you can take anything away from Smith. I think, you know, he, he rolled back in the years there. He's 34 years of age now, but he still looks in tremendous condition. Um, and he's on. He, he wants to carry on, and he's talking about the Triple G fight and things like that. But, no, I, I, I don't think it was a shock for me. Um I, I I couldn't believe that some bookies were giving odds of eight to one for for Smith to knock him out, you know, and he's been a world champion. So, it, it, yeah, I think there's a lot of money on 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 Eubank for that fight, and I just think he was he was surprised by by how, how Smith got his game plan right. I think he, he he just didn't give a lot away, as I said before, nice and compact. Let's have it right. If you watch the first couple of rounds, Eubank had success. There's no doubt about that. He rocked Smith a couple of times and, you know, it, it was it was a terrific fight to watch. It didn't go long, but, you know, it was very, very entertaining. And um, as I said, we have some great nights at Manchester and the arena was, was rocking for it. And I think everybody enjoyed it. And, um, and yeah, I, I think, yeah, perhaps a shock, but, not for not for me. I, I I fancy Smith, but I think you know on the whole, I think most people expected Eubank to get the job done. So was Smith good or was Eubank bad? No, I don't think Eubank was bad. I think uh, I think Smith was excellent. I think he, he boxed the perfect game plan really and took his chances when they came. And you know he spotted an opening there and he let that uppercut go. And you should have seen the state of Eubank's eye. It was in it was in a mess. And you know fair credit to, to Eubank though. He's a very very brave man. He wanted to carry on. Um, and yeah, he's very, very tough, tough as old boots he is. And it's so Smith, though. You know, he's got, you know, Eubank, they mentioned Eubank's chin, and I think Smith's got a good chin as well. So it was good to see two really, really top level fighters, top level UK fighters, and top fighters in the world, really, getting it on together. And uh, and these sort of fights, me and James have said it before, I think, haven't we, that they really capture the public's imagination. You, you've got two British fighters, there's rivalry on the line there, there's the sort of North East South rivalry as well, and um, they're, they're really enjoyable fights. So, no, I don't think for one minute Eubank was bad. I think he, he could have boxed differently. Um, he didn't box for me like he did against Liam Williams. He was more, I don't know, he looked very relaxed and, and very loose. And as I said, he had his arms down. He didn't really have a, a guard. And he boxes like that. You know, Roy, Roy George uses his trainer and that's how he has it. That's his style. He flicks that jab out. But you leave yourself wide open, you know, to, to catch in a shot. Whereas Smith is compact and doesn't give a lot away. So I think Eubank is more of a, a take a chance fighter. Whereas Smith's old school and does everything down, you know, as it should be done. So, um, so yeah, not not a bad night at all for Eubank. It was a bad result for him, but you know, you, you can't fault his effort, his commitment, and the and the, and the man he's, uh, he's he's a good man. Yeah, this, there's talk of a rematch. Is that what what you want as a, as a boxing fan? Well, I was talking to James last night, and um, I was with James last night for the for the fight, and we would were saying that, and, and James actually said to me, "Would it be good if they if they fought at Anfield?" And my eyes sort of lit up when he said that because he said, "Oh, that's excited you, hasn't it?" And and yeah, it certainly has. I mean, can you imagine that Anfield Stadium in the summer, a nice warm summer's evening there? And I, I don't know how many that ground holds. It's forty odd, fifty thousand. Can you imagine that there? That'd be that'd be something really special. That there, and you know, you got to feel for you back though. He'd be going straight into the lion's den again. And I think. For me, Eubank is always is painted as the pantomime villain. Really, he's, he always seems to get booed, and you know he seems quite a, a nice fellow when you, you see him off, off camera. And that I know he's he's very sort of um, eccentric, isn't it? The way he dresses and, and things like that. But terrific boxer, and yeah, if he if he wants to get it on at Anfield, I think that again would capture the public's imagination. I think it'd be another cracking fight. Where does Chris Eubank Jr. go from here? Obviously, in defeat, uh, boxers' careers can sort of disappear, can't they? 
Yeah, they can, and he's 33, uh, so and he's had some tough fights as well throughout his career. But I think the hunger's still there with him. Obviously, I mentioned before about the weight cut and things like that. Is he can he keep coming down to to the weights he's been fighting at? Probably not. As you get older, perhaps he needs to step up, uh, you know, and go back to super middleweight. But there's not a massive difference between middleweight and super middleweight, so that that could be an option for him to explore. But for me, if I was Chris Eubank Jr., I'd want to want the rematch. Um, and, and, and see how I go again. I think he'd definitely have to fight a different way if he was to beat Smith in the rematch. I think he'd have to go about a different game plan, but I don't think he's finished. I don't think he's finished at all yet. I think he's got he's got it left in him. He's still got the hunger and the desire for it. And um, I think he'll be back. I don't think he'll, he'll be finishing just yet. There is a talk that Liam Smith wants uh, Kel Brook. Is that something you'd want to see? I've just, I've, I didn't know that last night. I heard that, I've just seen on the internet today that Kell Brook was there last night. I mean, I didn't see it because I was, I was like top tier. Me and James were in the gods last night. We were, we were in the air conditioning unit right at the top of the, um, <laughs> the top of the stand. So we, we couldn't really see anybody down there. Um, we couldn't really see the big screen. But I've just read about that. And that surprises me that because, uh, you know, Kell Brook's no spring chicken. Um, you know, he's been a very good fighter and that calm fight took a lot out of him. So, I didn't think he, he'd, he'd want big fights like that, but it's a fight that excites me. Yeah, Khan against, uh, sorry, Brook against um, against Liam Smith would be another sort of grudge match. You've got Sheffield against Liverpool, you know, two real fantastic fighting cities. Um, and where would you have that? Bramall Lane? Would you have it at Anfield? That'd be an excellent fight. It'd be one I'd definitely want to see. Yeah, the the British uh, boxing scene is full of fantastic boxers and it's a you know real good time to be a boxing fan. Yeah, it certainly is. It certainly is in, in all the weight divisions, really, Rob. I mean, um, th- there's some fantastic uh, fighters out there domestically, and we've got guys pushing on the on the world stage as well. You know, we've got local lad uh, here to us in, in the Oldham area, Mark Efron, who I follow um, follow his career quite closely, and he's after um, big things in 2023, so he's another one to keep your eyes out for. We've got, um, you know, Jack Cattrall, who's after the, the rematch with the, with Josh Taylor as well, so there's 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 plenty of local talent as well that are, that are doing well. So, so, yeah, I think 2023 is going to be another massive year for boxing. And that's the thing you see, obviously, with, with the sort of the negative headlines sometimes behind sort of boxing and and what happens sort of uh, off the off the ring and and all that. It's interesting that you know at the moment they've got these fighters who are willing to to sort of pull in a big crowd and and build the sport back up to what it should be. Yeah, well, there's been a lot of talk recently about the the YouTube scene, hasn't it? And the, the likes of you know Logan Paul, who who have so many followers, and they they sort of sell arenas out and making millions and millions of pounds. And if you probably come down to the nitty gritty in this country, there's there's probably fighters in this country who who do jobs as well, who have jobs to, you know to to pay for their um, you know put food on the table for the families because the boxing you know career that they have doesn't pay them enough because boxing it isn't all glamour you know there's yeah you might have it if you're at the arena play you know in front of uh, sell out crowds but there's an awful lot of small shows that go on along as well and you know people forget about that sometimes so it's a tough sport a tough and, and lonely sport as well as someone once said so uh, but yeah there's there's a blossoming scene in, in in this country there always is as i mentioned before the fighting cities you've got sheffield manchester liverpool you know there's plenty in, you know in birmingham and south of the 
you know down south as well. So boxing is a fantastic sport, and we've had some great champions over the years. And you know we're blessed to have some some really big names at the moment as well. You know look at Tyson Fury, what does the future hold for him in 2023? Anthony Joshua as well. We've we've still got some big names and some conundrums there to to find out. You know who's Alexander Usyk going to fight next? Is it going to be one of those? So so yeah, we'll have to wait and see what happens. I mean there'll be there'll be fights getting planned now at the moment. You know the the big hitters like of Frank Warren and Eddie Hearn and Ben Shalom. They'll all be uh, plotting their next uh, big fight night, I'm sure. Do you think uh, Jake Paul and, and the YouTube boxing fraternity are doing boxing harm, or do you think they're doing great for the sport? I think it's a bit of a double-edged sword, really. I mean, for me, um, I was listening to, a, I think it was a Josh Taylor interview where he, he's totally against it and doesn't like it, and you can see that, that point of view, but at the end of the day, if, if you're a Logan Paul and you're selling tickets and people want to go and see you, well, why should they be denied the chance to go if if there's a market for it and people want to go? Well, yeah, you know, that's that's up to them. It's not really my cup of tea, but having said that, you've got to hand it to, to Logan Paul. He can fight. You know, he's not just some bum that, that gets in the ring and, you know, gets a load of money and gets absolutely battered. He can actually do a bit. So, uh, so yeah, good luck to him if he... I mean, when you think about it, he's probably got that much money now. He can train every day of the week. I mean, I wish I could, but uh, but no, it's you know, on a serious note. I think he raises the profile of the sport. I think, in my opinion, you know, it puts boxing on the big stage, doesn't it? And gets people talking, gets people talking. And social media is a big, big thing these days, isn't it? And it's all over there, and that's spreading the name of the sport. And and yet, you look at last night, twenty odd thousand. There wasn't a seat to be had last night in the Manchester Arena. Absolutely buzzing for a fighter for a Liverpool to come to Manchester. And, and it wasn't all Liverpool people that were there last night. There was an awful lot of Manchester people there who were, who were absolutely buzzing for it and uh, and really enjoyed the night. Yeah, boxing, you always says it's a bit showbiz, it's a bit razzmatazz. And, you know, when it's obviously Jake Paul and, and the YouTube sort of crew come in, it kind of blurs sort of the lines for me because I always thought kind of boxing was a kind of a real tough, athletic, um, you know, sport. And, and then... Jake Paul comes in with his cameras and his his storylines and his back back catalogue of of what he's done in his life and comes into boxing. Uh, it gives it, it. Will it think it takes the sport in a different direction? You reckon? Yeah, for me, it reminds me a bit of um, of wrestling. Really, you know, the WWE. Yeah. It's a bit like that, isn't it? Where it's I don't want to say stage, but there's a bit more sort of soap opera to it if you like isn't mm. there and um, yeah it, it does it, it does take it in a different dimension as I said before you know the average sort of boxer British boxer does have a job I suppose and, and, and does that as well he's part time and he probably doesn't have a lot of money and boxes for a living, really. You know, he fights to 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 bring his family up and pay his mortgage. So, it's um it's a far cry from from that, really, isn't it? So, um, as I said before, that it's like any sport. You know, you look at football, you look at the guys in the Premier League, how much money they get paid, some of the top level stars, and then you drop down to the sort of the third division and then into the conference and places like that. they're still playing at a decent level, but your your money and, and your um, your assets are nowhere near as what they're getting. So it's uh, so us and them, I suppose. I think a lot of sports are like that. Yeah. Obviously, like you say, there is big money in boxing, but only at the very top level. And, you know, there is like a, a pathway which, which boxers have to go through from training through the clubs, picking up, being picked up by agents and, and doing the rounds in, in, in the professional uh, scene. But when they do get that opportunity to sort of strike at a big level, uh, they, they've got to take it. And, and that's where I see, uh, you know, Jake Paul coming in. Has he, has he gone through them, you know, the dark, the, the, sort of amateur scene has he gone through the you know the 
the pecking order? Has he gone through that journey to get to where he is? Or do you think he's just come, you know, in at the mid-range and he's feeling his way in? I think, like you said, the, the, the latter of what you said there, I think money talks, doesn't it? And you throw yourself in right at the deep end. I, I don't think he's come come up through the ranks. And if you look sort of the amateur scene in, in this country, there's an awful lot of work that goes into to amateur boxing and, and you know youth boxing to get these, these lads who've, who've come up to the profession. You take the professional guys who were on last night, um, at the, on, on Saturday night, sorry, at the MAN, um, or the the AO arena, whatever it's called now. You look about how they've gone through there, and the, and the people who put the time into them, and you know a lot of it's voluntary, isn't it? As well, you know, people at the, the various boxing clubs and youth clubs and lads clubs and things like that, lads and girls clubs now, and um, and yeah, it's people who are, who are voluntary really, and, and putting an awful lot of hours of commitment because of the love of the sport, really. So it's a totally different path that that, that Jake Paul's gone down. Yeah, and and that's it. I suppose it's it's finding. Uh, the path you want to take to get into boxing. We don't want boxing to be a sort of a two-tier sort of system where, you know, people who can have a bit of money can get higher up the pyramid than somebody who has to sort of work their way in. I think you'll always get uh, found out, Rob, if you can have as much money as you want, but if you're not no good at something or you've got no chin or you can't box, then you, you, you'll get found out. I think, you know, for, speaking about Logan Paul, I mean, from what I've seen of him, he's he's quite a tough man. So, um, so yeah, good luck to him and, and where that'll take him. I mean, you might see him come in some big fights against some big, you know, um, some big boxers. You know, he's looking at a fight with, um, with Fury, isn't he? So uh, that should be interesting to see how that one goes. Is Tyson Fury and um, Jake Paul in the same weight? Or is it his brother? It's his brother. Ah. It's his brother, yeah. It'll be his brother, his younger brother. So, um, the Love Island guy. Right. Well, we say we <laughs> yeah, did have so... him on Sports Zone a few years ago and he was breaking through. And there is a bit of blood, bit of blood, blood between them two, isn't there? Yeah, look, he's Logan Paul, that I think, isn't he? Is that Jake Paul's brother? Right. Um, so there's, there's there's two of those guys, isn't there? And uh, yeah, I think there has been a bit of bad, bad blood, hasn't there? I know Fury's Tommy Fury's been on the the Love Island and things like that, hasn't it? But I think me and James have had that conversation about whether he should, you know, pick it to either go that way or, or to go the boxing way. So, uh, but no, for for uh, for Paul, I think it's uh, that's a big test now against uh, you know a, a real sort of up and coming prospect boxer. If he could if he could turn uh, Fury over, Tommy Fury over, then that does sort of raise eyebrows, doesn't it? So uh, see how far he, he can go in the sport. So uh, looking forward to seeing how that one pans out. Yeah, super exciting times in the boxing world. Now we're going to be talking a rugby league and we'll start with Salford Devils, Paul. Four weeks till the Super League season starts. Excited? Yeah, certainly. Yeah, it doesn't seem that long away now, does it? We, we were sort of counting down and the pre-season games are hotting up. We've had some over the weekend. Obviously Salford's uh, playing this weekend coming. So uh, so yeah, should should be real exciting times. Now. I know we've had a, a bit of, not bad, not sort of terrible news, but we have got a bit of... Um, Concerning news regarding the injuries, we've got one or two players out, haven't we, at the moment that you know we're going to be missing at the start of the season. But no, looking forward to it all starting. And I know Lee are making big noises, aren't they? They've got scouting for girls on, I think, for the the opening night at, um, at the, the the Lee Sports Village for our game against them. So that should be a cracker. Uh, I'm really looking forward to that. I think you know Lee are making some good noises. They've they've done a rebrand as well, and uh, you know. They're after a really good season, so it all adds to the excitement, I suppose. So uh, that should be an absolute cracker on the opening night there. But we've got a couple of pre-season games to get through first as well to uh, you know get the lads up to speed. 
Yep, uh, Salford Devils had their media day at Media City this week. I spoke to new captain Callum Watkins and head coach Paul Rowley about what to expect in the 2023 season, and this is what they had to say. So I'm joined by Paul Rowley. Congratulations on your three-year contract. Ready to go on the next phase of the journey? Yeah, thanks, Rob. That seems like an age ago now, so... <laughs> yeah. Obviously, we're much settled in after that, and it's just work as normal for us. We try and keep it on a level, not too high, not too low. We've had a tough but good pre-season, and we're, and we're looking forward to starting all again. Obviously, a very successful season last season. Ready to reproduce that in 2023? Yeah, well, that would certainly be nice if we, if we can do that. As always, we need a little bit of luck, keep all our best players on the field. We're working hard to emulate what we did last year and entertain and, and get them wins in again. Yeah, you talk about changing people's perceptions in 2022. What's the challenge for 2023? Or is it similar? Same again. Exactly the same. Change people's opinions and gain respect. How far down the line do you think that you are now with that semi-final defeat? Uh, Yeah, I think consistency is one thing that probably earns respect in any walk of life, so certainly in sport. And I guess in in rugby league in particular, I think one attribute that gains respect is your defensive resilience. And so that's something we've we've worked on and we've spoke about. And if we can improve that, then we've got a bit of a team on our hands. Obviously, the, the 2023 version of Salford. What's the what excites you most about this team? Uh, I just think we've got a, a group of athletes who can play rugby and the proper rugby players. They're not just chiselled out of rock and uh, manufactured. They, they're quite authentic and they've got a bit of rugby brain about them. I like that. I, li- I like the players to have something about and make their own decisions and, and play on the front foot. Yeah, we had some you know, great experiences last season playing in big games. That's going to help this season when the big games come along again. Yeah, well, they know what it looks like. Absolutely, the intensity certainly in that Saints game. You know, it was it was it was so bruising, and it will set our players in good stead. And well, I always say, it, don't shy away from saying Saints are the benchmark. There's a few up there, you know, be vying for that this year. But that level of intensity they bring week in week out is is so so difficult. But it is what we we need to try and achieve. Yeah, you brought back Andrew Dixon and Adam Sidlow this season obviously played under you before why bring them back obviously played for Salford before but played under yourself yeah so obviously there's a trust issue there yeah we'll start with Dicko Dicko obviously he's well travelled he's, he's, he's won grand finals with St Helens he knows what a, a good environment looks like he is the ultimate pro and he'll do exactly as we want so as an addition to our squad and same with Ziggy Adam Sidlow a big ball playing forward who's got footwork offers something a little bit different than, than, than our players already and it's just a I guess rejuvenating our squad so there's a couple of bodies gone out obviously Wellesley Berkey in the middles there and and you're placing with Ziggy's and Oli Partington's people like that so a bit of a freshener and uh, like I said some big bodies and we can afford them as well shouldn't shy away from saying that it's a salary cap sport or budget sport in our case so uh, yeah they're, they're great value for money because they're good rugby players yeah we, we like to call it rally ball on, on the podcast oh, yeah. is the challenge a season coming up to play a bit different but not to, so everyone doesn't know what you, you're going to play like <laughs> obviously you like to say that you play an expansive brand yeah. but in a uh, sort of an organised way yeah but Obviously, with new players, is it, is it a similar kind of thing? Uh, yeah, yeah, we uh, movement and shape and create one-on-one opportunities. But you know, if we can, we'll we, we look for the easy way to score, not the hard way. It just sums up. Sometimes it's quite pleasing to the eye, but because we we dare to have a crack out of our own own half, you know, that's the difference probably between us and everybody else. But yeah, we practice hard on on our detail and quite often you know you, you again you, you refer back to saints they'll score some magical tries but it's after they beat you up for 65 minutes so uh, you know we've probably not had the luxury of doing that certainly not last year because we're not the biggest 
side in the world so we've got to find a, a different way and we've got to work a little bit harder on other, other attributes so we just work hard and when we've, uh, if we win ugly I'll take it rather win and entertain at the same time though that'd be the ideal would you be looking at bringing a couple more faces in before the season starts or are you happy with what we got I'd love to bring probably about another three faces in, but unless you win that Euros, Rob, then... Put it on every week, mate. It ain't happening. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we are what we are. Yeah, obviously, we, we spoke to Curtis Goddard from the Upper Heads, yep. and he had glowing references about you. Uh, yeah. He mentioned about one of their players coming over to, for trial. You've had a lot of experience on that side of the world with younger players. Exciting times for the club. Yeah, he's, he's a good lad, Curtis. really enthusiastic. You know, the side of Florida, the western side, he's, he's the, probably the hotbed for, and the, you know, the, the statistically the most fruitful in terms of burying. American sprinters and athletes they produce so many athletes so the young Raiden's coming over to join us for a week just for a life experience really and to show that it says partnership that's not just there in words we, we've supported them throughout the year in terms of training practice and the feedback between their coach and, and myself and then obviously giving a, a young lad an opportunity and experience that he can take back and hopefully put into their team but I think the main thing is for them to be able to obviously sell that dream for their players you know you might not have made it NFL basketball ice hockey but come to us and there is a chance if you're good enough we'll we'll send our best couple over to Salford to the UK and and showcase your talent and and if we see a, a rough diamond what one thing we're good at here is is spotting a rough diamond so we'll have a look but it, it, I think it just it just nails down the partnership and makes it authentic it's not just words it's it's real yeah, I suppose we've got a lot of link-ups around the world. Red Star Belgrade, mm. the Copperheads, Ghana. It's kind of a, a big pool of, of potential players there that in three, five years' time yeah. could be available to you. Yeah, and, and I think it would be unrealistic to say that we'd have two two Ghanians, three Americans. It would be unrealistic. But what I always think is, look, if it doesn't cost us anything other than a little bit of hard work, we talk about IMG and all that, so we want to spread the game. If you love the game, then then you just invest a little bit of your time and effort to help other people then then it's a worthwhile cause without expecting or wanting anything back in return and 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 i know my relationship with curtis is that's that's how it is for me i don't want anything in return if we can help them we'll help them probably the most realistic chance of bearing fruit for us is the welsh partnership and we've got a couple of outstanding young lads in our reserves this year and our reserves have actually stepped up to a different level this year I think they've done a great job the coaching staff there led by Stu Wilkins John Fieldhouse has been, been brilliant thanks for joining us Paul and good luck no worries Rob thank you so we're joined by Callum Watkins congratulations yeah. Salford captain how do you feel oh thank you yeah really excited really honoured as well to become captain which is which is a great moment for myself and family as well so yeah really excited for the season to start yeah definitely first Salford captain you remember growing up I think who was it now and when I grew up yeah Darren Brown Darren Brown yeah 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 that's it that's the first one I can remember definitely yeah I think around that time I think around that time it was about a year or so after I was a ball boy then yeah. I was old enough to be a ball boy so from what I can remember Darren Brown yeah what sort of characteristics are you looking for to become a captain is it was he uh, gonna be a, a shouter or are you gonna play as you feel no I'm just gonna be myself I think myself is just leading by my actions and when it's when it's needed, if I need to do say anything, I will say something. But I've got a good uh, couple of guys that are leading the vice captain captaincy as well, with Steve and uh, Brody as well, which 
especially on the field, they'll they'll control that side of the game. And um, for me, it's just about motivating, making sure that I'm doing my job as well, being accountable for, for everything that I do. Yeah, you played under some you know real good captains. Have you sort of spoke to them and said you know can you give us some advice or is it just going to be your own way? It'll just be my own way. I think they would say the same thing. I think they'll say the same thing to me in terms of just being myself. Like I say, leading my actions and just setting the standard, really. And uh, I think that's just important for the team to work on. And we've got a really good group here, which is really exciting, especially for this year. How's the pre-season gone for you, obviously, with that late sort of start with the World Cup? Yeah, it's been it's been pretty good, you know, pretty tough. But after the World Cup, I had an op on my shoulder, so did a lot of rehab going through to Christmas and obviously we came back through January as well so started January just was with the physio most of the time but I was running those getting fit and stuff like that and over the next over the last week or so I've just been bedded into the training sessions which is good so it gives me kind of the next few weeks to get myself ready physically and mentally really for the season yeah obviously we had a very successful season last season reaching the semi-finals obviously are you hoping for similar success with this 2023 version yeah and more I think for us we dare to dream really we know we can get them into them positions where we're playing against the top teams in the big games so I think for us I think important for us is to get a good start get onto a good start and being consistent in what we're doing go through stages where it's going to be adversity it's going to be times where it's going to be hard it's going to be tough we're going to come off a couple of losses or any kind of adversity we've got to be able to deal with them situation and I thought we did that really well last year we went on a bit of a run where we weren't playing too well and after that through that Easter period we started to perform better but we just couldn't get the results yeah so we're on a bit of a sort of a journey aren't we really sort of developing so how far do you think we are away from sort of a cup win maybe I don't think we're far off at all. I don't think I don't think we are. I think for us, it's just about confidence. It's just about making sure that we're performing and making sure that we've got the experiences that from last year playing in them big games, and you know we've got to progress that into to this year as well, and, and just improve, just improve as a team and improve as 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 individuals as well. So exciting times. Are you looking to sort of cement yourself back in the second row, or go back to the to the centres, or have you not decided yet? No, no, it'll be second row. I think you know. After finding kind of working through that position last year and playing really well and being being consistent with it, it's my position now really, especially around around here. And I think Dion's been fantastic, and obviously Tim, what what a player he is, and Dion set the example really of obviously being part of a part-time team, then coming into a full-time environment the strides and improvement that he's made obviously playing the position that he didn't really play as much he played as a winger didn't he so um, coming in as a centre is a tough job to do especially in, uh, at the highest level so uh, for me it's just keep enjoy playing. enjoy keep playing in them keep <laughs> playing in <laughs> second rows so, cheers for joining us Callum cheers mate thanks thanks very much so that was Callum Watkins and Paul Rowley talking to me, Paul, at the Salford Devils Media Day. Um, Callum Watkins, new captain. I asked him about what he is going to be like as a captain. Is he going to be a shouter? Or is he going to sort of play and expect people to follow his uh, way? He says to me that he thinks he's going to play and expect people to follow. What do you think him have as him as a captain? 
Yeah, I think it's a good appointment. You know, Callum is a very, very experienced man. I mean, he's played the game at a very, very high level. He's played in grand finals. He's played in big cup finals. You know, um, he's very, very experienced an international player as well. So there's probably not many players in that Salford squad who've got anywhere near the experience that Callum's got. I mean, I know Mark Snee's played in cup finals and won the Lansford Trophy, but you know, Callum is a is a real seasoned pro and he, he's been at the top level. For a long time now, hasn't he? And um, the way he played last season, I, I thought he was rejuvenated at Salford. I think not only for his, his play, but for his attitude as well. I think he's got a first-class attitude. Um, and that's what you want as a captain. You want your 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 other players in the squad to look up to the captain and, 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 and follow his example, really. And I think Callum's that sort of guy. He's not someone who'll sort of do a big tackle or or do a nice pass and, and sort of stand there and pat himself on the back. He's a player that follows up and you know does the does the hard stuff and the, and the stuff that's unseen as well, chasing back and you know putting in tackles and that. So um, so I think it's an excellent appointment. I really do. And I think Callum, you know, I know he's he's got a bit of an injury at the moment, hasn't he? But I'm, I'm sure he's working ten to the dozen to try and get himself fit for the start of the season. Yeah, I talked about his injury concerns at the moment, but. Like you said, he played in the World Cup. He had a late finish to last season, a late start to the pre-season. So I suppose it's up to him to manage his body through that. Um, we know he's uh, of a certain age, um, so it's it's going about making sure that he is fit and fighting ready for the Super League season. He did say he is in training now, ready for uh, the Super League start of the season. He wants to knuckle down and play in the second row Um obviously decided that that's where he wants to play we have a lot of quality in in the both the second row and the center so it'll be interesting to see um obviously paul rowley being his captain selects him in the second row or puts him in the center i suppose a lot of it will depend on um, who's fit and, and who's not you know if you've got injuries and whatever at the moment we're we're struggling a bit fullback out with ryan bally's out injured dan sargent's um He's not so well either at the moment, is he? I believe so. You know, he'd, he'd probably be the direct replacement for Briley, so we're gonna have to shift somebody in there at fullback for uh, for the start of the season. So, will that free somebody up, uh, place up in the centre? I'm not sure. I think Callum Watkins. You know, if I was a betting man, I, I I reckon Callum Watkins will be playing against Lee. I think he'll be in that squad on that first that first game of the season. So uh, I'd have him down as a, in the second row as well. But that's the versatility of the guy. You know, we, we've got two positions there for him. And you know, Callum could probably fill in anywhere. He's a he's a very fit man, isn't he? Fit athlete and probably not got the pace that he had sort of ten years ago. But he's he's still an asset to the club. And um, and I'm very very pleased he's got that captaincy. I spoke to him a couple of times last season, as you, as you did as well. And you know he's a really lovely fellow as well. Very down to earth, considering what he's done in the sport. He's very very grounded, very very humble, and I think he's enjoying it at Salford as well. Yeah, he said his first Salford captain he rem- remembered was Darren Brown when he started to be a ball boy at Salford. So we have to remember he's come through uh, from being a ball boy, obviously left at Salford to, to you know be have a career with, with with Leeds and then went to Toronto, came back to Salford. So it's you know it's a great journey that he's been on um, to to be uh, the Salford captain, and you know we're all excited about. It. He talked about having uh, the desire. And, and the and the daring to dream attitude for 2023 because we did so much in 2022 it's about backing it up in 2023 that's the important thing for, for me Paul obviously the people of Salford will be looking at Salford results and seeing if they are the real deal the real deal backs up last year's semi-final performance uh, with another classic in 2023 yeah, I mean, looking at people's comments on social media and just listening to and talking to supporters, and I think people's expectations are, are through the roof. 
I think people are expecting us to to be up there challenging, and I'm always pretty cautious. You know, we'll have to wait and see because it is. It, <laughs> Sometimes it's the second season syndrome. You've got players mm. in the squad there who like Brody Croft, who'll be a mad man this time. People know about him. Clubs are going to know about him. You know, coaches aren't stupid. They'll be doing their own work on him this time, and you know they'll have been training for this. So um, it doesn't always work out like you want it to, does it? So I hope it does. I hope we're okay. I mean, in Paul Roller, we've got a good coach and, and Kurt Agate as well. They know this stuff and I think they'll have solved for playing the similar sort of brand to what we played last season. Very expansive, moving the ball and that's the only way they know how to play. So we're going to be tough to play against. There's no doubt about that. But we have to be cautious. We've not got a massive squad either. So we've got to manage the squad. Every team gets injuries. There's no doubt about that. And, and we will get our fair share. It's just about managing those and, and it's about luck as well you know you get a bit of luck and, and keep a, a fully fit squad I mean when I got a look at last season we struggled a bit for injuries in the early stages and, and it was tough getting you know the, the, the squad out there every week but the second half of the season I thought we we did really well we, we got a rub of the green with injuries we kept a, you know the spine fully fit and went on a really good run so um, so that'll play a, play a big part in it as well how we, how we keep uh, the lads fit and, uh, and, and raring to go Yeah talking about Paul Rowley, he talked about you know changing people's perceptions of the club. He thought we did that in 2022, but like I just said, um, he feels that another season is needed to basically concrete that over and make sure that they know this Sulphur Red Devils team isn't a flash in the pan uh, success. If he wants to build a dynasty at Sulphur, he signed a new three-year contract. He knows what he, he's got around him. He knows the direction the club is going uh, and he wants to ride this uh, club and this team to success in 2023 and beyond. Yeah, and if you look back to last season, as we mentioned, I think we mentioned it last week, that that sort of run towards the back end of the year, we were absolutely untouchable at times. You know, the way we beat St. Helens at home, we beat Huddersfield at home, the Castleford away game, the Huddersfield playoff away game, Catalan Dragons home and away. It's absolutely awesome. We were on fire. So if we can take that form and, and that brand of rugby league into 2023, we're going to be difficult to beat, aren't we? And I think, you know, last season we, we became a lot of people's second team, if you like. You know, uh, a lot of the neutrals were were sort of cheering us on because of the brand of rugby we were playing. I think, for me as well, it was the, the humbleness that the club had. We weren't going shouting out from the rooftops like we did under the coup cash years. We've got some very humble, grounded people at the club who, who love the sport and, and just want Salford to do well. And we went about our business in a very, very classy way, I thought. And, uh, you know, and, and, and people respect that. And I think we gained a lot of respect last season uh, as a club. And I think, you know, we came out of it really well. Um, you've only got to look at the crowds and the away following that we took, you know, like to Huddersfield and, and St. Helens in the semi-final. If we can just bottle a bit of that for the start of the season and get those people coming back and, and watching the team at home, it can grow and grow and grow. So, uh, so yeah, it's exciting times. But like Paul Rowley says, if we can cement it this season, you know, who knows? We we start building the crowds and enjoying a bit of success, hopefully get a bit of silverware, you know, get to get to Wembley, get to a cup final. You know, it's, uh, it'd be great for the club. So there's a lot riding on 2023 and it's going to be a roller coaster ride. Yeah, it was sort of super exciting. Paul Rowley talks about growing the team and, and growing the club and talking about investing in uh, player development markets all around the world and, and building this player pool, uh, which is available. Obviously, we've got players in America, which we could have access through the, the Copperheads. We've got players in Ghana. We've got local players in, in Wales. We've got players in Australia. We, we've got this 
conveyor belt of players who, in three and five years' time, if they continue to develop, that Paul Rowley and Southwark Devils will have access to, and hopefully they will be sort of the, the, the feeder into our club's success in the future to come. Yeah, and he's putting the, the club on the map as well, Rob. I mean, you know, spreading the, the sport across the world, I think, is a great thing to do. Um, and not only that, the way we spread it in the community as well, like you've mentioned there with the, I mean, you said locally there with Wales, it's not that local, but, but <laughs> I know I know what you mean, I would like to walk to Wales, but yeah, and there's an awful lot of good players come through there as well, so, uh, and, and, and the America link is, is tremendous, I mean, you think of the, the, the player pool that you could have there, you know, get people playing the sport, you know, there's plenty of athletes in America, you know, look at the sports they play, they sport mad, aren't they, over in that country, you know, playing American football at, college don't they and ice hockey and all these other sports and you know basketball I think is another one isn't they very big into so so yeah let, let's get them involved in rugby league and, and the Ghana one's another exciting one you know, another big country there and on a big continent as well so just to spread the sport of rugby league would be tremendous and, and Salford are leading the way at the moment in that in that you know there's not a lot of other clubs who are involved you know globally like that and I think it's credit to the club and for a club that we're not a massive budget as well to be doing this. I think it's it's hats off to the club, you know, showing the ambitions and and, and wanting to get people involved in the sport in, in the right way. So uh, I think Solved the last couple of years, Solved's work off the field has been absolutely outstanding. Mm. I spoke to uh, the Copperhead CEO, Curtis Goddard, and he talked about the link-up with Salford and, and how excited they are in America about, about it and how they're hoping that they can sort of produce uh, players for Salford to, to take on uh, in you know in seasons to come. But there is a player coming over for a trial from the, the Copperheads. Uh, he's called Reardon Sweet. Is Rio Sweet is his nickname. Um, he's... 15 stone, 6 foot 2, uh, 18 years old. Parley can play in the centre or the second row. Um, he's played a bit of rugby union for the USA. Uh, he toured Holland on a tour for, for them. So he is uh, you know, a, a peak uh, player in America. And to give him sort of the access to uh, Salford and, and be able to train with professionals in a professional environment for a couple of weeks will show him uh, how you know how to perform at a Super League level and also give you know an opportunity to go back to America with that experience and help the grow the Copperheads too. So it's, it's a win-win for both. We're super excited about what what he can what he's going to be doing against against Swinton. Um, but we'll have to wait and see. He, he is a very promising prospect, uh, and we're just hoping uh, that he has a good game, and then we'll have to see what happens. How exciting is that, though, Rob? Mm. Really, really exciting. Uh, you know, not only for uh, for the player, but for the for the club as well, and for to be coming across the other side of the world to to, to be on a trial, super opportunity. And um, yeah, it's a great story. I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do as well. And as you mentioned, there, 18 years of age, what 15 stone, six foot two. Mm-hmm. Uh, who's he lodging with? Then I won't like to feed him for a week. So, <laughs> so but no, it sounds a bit of a unit, doesn't it? But um, but yeah, I'm sure he'll do well. And yeah, I can't wait for the for the Swinton game. It's going to be it's going to be great. I mean, the the first warm up game is always good anyway. You know, just to see the new faces, just to see what they can do, see them in the shirt. And I must say as well, the, I, I've never really took much. Of, um, 
I've not paid much attention to the, the new kit, really, but I saw the team picture, you know, the, the team lineup, uh, the photograph, uh, the full mm. team photo, and it looks absolutely tremendous, that kit. It's the best kit we've had for a, a number. It's proper solvent, that, and uh, looks really smart. So, uh, so, yeah, really exciting now for it all to get started. Yeah, talking about Swinton, they were in action uh, this weekend. They played a Sir Ellen Select um, 13 um, away from home, won 32 points to 24. Good result. Uh, for Swinton Lions, obviously it's only a friendly, uh, but there was six players in the set up. Helen's team with Super League experience, so it shows that the Swinton team is is going to be a, a tough uh, competitor uh, this season in Championship. God, I tell you what, we could do with a winning set. Helen's at Sol, we've come and won there for forty odd years, and Swinton have gone and won there. So yeah, I mean that that'll do. I know you, you say it's only a pre-season game, but so those Swinton lads, they've just gone and beat St. Helens, and 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 that's going to be, you know, a real confidence boost for them. Um, you know, I, I saw some photographs of that of that game at Ruskin Drive. There, it's a nice uh, nice place. That nice setup they've got there, St. Helens for their uh, their youth and uh, and whatever. And they bring them through there, don't they? They've got good facilities, and uh, you know, Swinton have gone there, done the business, and then they've got the game against Salford this week. So I'm sure Alan Coleman will be will be buzzing with that result, and he. His players will be as well, so it's it's you know great to get off the mark, isn't it? They've got they've had two good wins there in the the preseason games so far against the Hurricanes and against St Helens, and uh, and yeah, their season's not far off now, is it? So the Salford games next week, they'll be looking to uh, to turn Salford over now. What do Salford and Swinton want to get out of the game on Sunday at the AJ Bill? No injuries for a kickoff. You don't mm-hmm. any injuries. That's the big one for me, really. But just just blow the cobwebs out for Salford. Um, you've not played now since September, have we? So it's a long time. Obviously, we've got the lads who played the internationals, but um, we've not played since that St. Helens game. So it's a long way off now. So you want to get back out there, get your body you know, used to, to contact. I mean, you, know, you can have contact in training, but it's not like playing against an opposition, is it? So, yeah, getting bashed about again. Um, you know, getting through the 80 minutes, you know, getting your engine used to playing that, that time and, and, and taking those hits and and obviously, you know, working on working on link ups and, and partnerships, your half backs and, and, and things like that, moves as well, set moves and just, just polishing things off really and, and getting yourselves ready for the, the Wigan game the week after because that'll be a, another step up, won't it, in the Sam Paul testimonial. So yeah, I'm sure Salford will, will have things to work on. They want to impress as well, won't they? Yeah, 1pm kickoff at the AJ Bell um, on Sunday. So hopefully, uh, you know, a good uh, turnout from both red and blue. Uh, we'll give a lot of pride in the city and the uh, rugby league teams uh, for 2023, Paul. Yeah, I think it's going to be a bit warmer next weekend as well, and it only a few degrees. But like last few, <laughs> last few days or last week, or so it's been absolutely freezing, hasn't it? So I know there was a lot of uh, football fixtures postponed, weren't there, at the weekend because of frozen pitches. So I mean, Salford's pitch is like a bowling green anyway; it's a tremendous pitch. But um, it should be a bit warmer, shouldn't it? So, uh, so yeah, I'm looking forward to it. One o'clock kickoff as well. So. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's going to be a good day. It always is. It's nice to play Swindon. It's a it's a good uh, rivalry we've got with our local neighbours, and um, yeah, I'm looking forward to. It. I think it'll be a good test for us. Mm. So that's all the rugby chat. Uh, now we'll talk football. Paul, we'll start with Manchester United. They were beaten three two by Arsenal away from home. Last minute uh, winner for the Gunners puts them five points clear. Uh, of the, uh, the summer in the Premier League, disappointing result for Ten Hag's men. Yeah, he's been in you know, since the City game. It's been a bit of a disappointing week, hasn't it? I mean, the Crystal Palace game, they, they controlled that from from what I saw of it for most of the game, and then you know let um, let late goal and didn't they to um, 
to concede a, you know two points there and just get come away with a draw and then obviously again at Arsenal you know staying down in London and another um, disappointing late goal as well so um, so yeah it's been a tough week after the Manchester derby you know coming away with only a point out of it so uh, so yeah a bit of a blow that really because you know if the results had been different you know you beat Palace and, and got a draw against Arsenal you know you're right right up there aren't you challenging so so yeah it's probably hit them hard this week. Mm. Eddie Nikita uh, with the winner for Arsenal uh, towards the end of the game but that is what champion teams do they always find a way Paul and obviously there's a lot of talk about Man City chasing down this uh, Arsenal team but five points clear at the moment I know they've got to play City twice uh, in the coming weeks which is you know a thing we have to consider but even if City do win a bet against Arsenal both home and away that means they've got to win every other game in, in the Premier League um, and Arsenal to not you know, to, to also win every other game to finish top so I know City have farm for this because obviously they and Liverpool both went to the to the very edge didn't they a couple of times in a couple of title races uh, in, the, in the last couple of years but Arsenal are clear the five points clear so the, uh, the ball is in their court the pressure's on Man City yeah, yeah see, the pressure's on it's always nice to have the points in the bag and you're in the driving seat really aren't you at the moment though you're looking, you know, there's still the Champions League, isn't there? They've still got the FA Cup as well coming up. I think City play Arsenal in the FA Cup, don't they, uh, mm-hmm. this coming weekend? So you've got that distraction. So that won't be a distraction for one of the clubs. So that could be significant, that, Rob. You know, whoever loses that, I'm not saying it's a good thing for them to lose, but um, less games for them to play because you, you progress in the Cup, you've got replays and things like that. So Champions League as well will take its toll on the squad. Uh, injuries and this, that, and the other. So there's there's an awful lot to be played for. Yeah, I mean five points is, is nothing really. It can soon be called that can't. And as we said that they could move away. You know, City drop points and, and Arsenal win that gap gets even bigger. So it is going to be interesting. I, I think it's going to go with the, with both sides playing each other. I think it's probably going to go down to the wire, to be honest with you. I think it'll go to the last last couple of games of the season. I really do. Um, you know, Manchester City form has not been not been great of late. As it, they got the, a good result the weekend again. They they they, they won there three 0 I think there's Wolves, didn't they? So that was good for them to, to. That could have been a banana skin. That really the way they've been playing. So, you know, good to get that result. But no Arsenal. I think you've got to give Arteta plenty of credit. I mean, we mentioned it before off air, didn't we? That. I suppose at the start of the season, who who really had Arsenal down when you were all talking about who's going to win the league? And not many people mentioned Arsenal, did they? So uh, credit to the job he's done, really. I'll tell you what won't we go into the last few weeks of the season is Man United's title charge. Uh, Paul, a defeat and a draw in the last couple of games. Ten Hag uh, will be frustrated with that. How many points are United behind Arsenal now, then? A few. Paul. Eight, is it? Something yeah. Like and but yeah, it's a big gap, that. That is a big gap. It's eleven, right? So yeah, so, you, you don't want to be you don't want to be um, too downbeat about it, but that's going to be tough for them to. If you're a realist, not going to happen, is it? But you never know in football, do you? Um, but uh, as a United player and, and Ten Hag, as the manager, you're just going to keep going in every week and just trying to chase down what you can and finish the best as you can, finish as high as you can in the league, don't you? So I'm sure they'll be doing the best to do that. Yeah, they've also signed a new centre-half, Winehorse, on loan. Um, I've seen him a couple of times. Um, a big, uh, strong uh, centre-half, played well, centre-forward, sorry, played well in the World Cup. Just what Man United needs, someone to link the play. Um, he's not a prolific goal scorer. He's not particularly fast, I don't, I don't really think. Uh, but he's good at what he does, and it gives Man United a different dimension uh, sort of going forward for me. 
You didn't really sell him to me there, Rob. He says, not very quick. He didn't score many goals. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so what, what is he good at? Well, but he's no, good at on the ball at Paul. And, and that's, yeah. that's what I think uh, Man United need. True. I don't think they're going to sell a million shirts from what he does. And I don't think uh, the Glazers will be particularly looking for, um, you know, invest, sort of reaping the reward of him coming to Man United with a billion shirt sales. But hopefully he'll, he'll do what he does well and it'll help the team. Well, you've, you've got to trust um, Tan Hag's judgment, really. Mm. Um, you know, he, he knows a player and he knows what he wants in his squad. And, you know, we've mentioned it before about rugby league. You know, the players are in, it's horses for courses, is the old saying, isn't it? You, you, you've designed players to do a job for you. And obviously, Tan Hag has, has seen the job he can do and the role he can play in that side. And um, and yeah, good luck to him. So um, so yeah, just the way he said it there about not being very quick in the score, man. It's just uh, <laughs> you, you've been all good as an agent, Rob. <laughs> Talking about an agent who's done a bit of a wonderful uh, job uh, this season is the, the one that that brought Erling Haaland to, to Man City hat trick for him. Uh, this weekend they beat Wolves three uh, nil. Twenty five goals uh, this uh, year, uh, this season for uh, Harland, including four hat tricks. Um, he's just he's just an unstoppable force up front for Man City. Yeah, I was thinking today, what's the most goals someone has scored in the Premier League and not won the title? You know, he could end up scoring like forty goals and, and not being in the the champion, not being in the champion uh, medal. So. Mm. Yeah, it's um, he's been prolific though, hasn't he? Uh, he really has been prolific for City, and I think he's got quite a few more goals in him towards the end of the season as well. So, uh, as I said before, I think the title race is going to be uh, going to be fascinating. Really, you know that you know whoever's in it, you know at the moment it's Arsenal and City with the teams up there. And if you, you can't write City off really when they've got a player like Ireland, the, the way he can bag goals um, out of nowhere, really can't he? So uh, you've got someone as prolific as him in the team. You know, for, for me, they just need to tighten up at the back a bit, City, I think. And if they can do that, they, they've definitely got a chance this season. There's no doubt about that. But, yeah, Haaland could end up scoring sackfuls of goals and not winning anything. So, um, I'm sure that won't happen, though. I'm sure they'll, they'll, they'll get a trophy or two. I think Andy, scored, Andy Cole scored 41 goals in total in 1993-94 for Newcastle. And they didn't win the Premier League. So, he's still got... Uh, a bit to go there. I think they played more games in the, in the in the in the Premier League back then. But the way Erling Haaland's scoring goals at the moment, he's probably doing it in about three or four weeks. Yeah, it always amazes me how Newcastle United didn't win any trophies around that time. They were mm. a fantastic club to watch, weren't they? Some of the football they played, they were so exciting. And uh, yeah, and Manchester United obviously snapped up Andy Cole, didn't they? And he scored plenty of goals for United as well. Mm-hmm. And obviously talking about uh, you know good managers, uh, Pep Guardiola wasn't wasn't uh, particularly happy with Man City because they. 2-0 down against Spurs won it eventually 4-2 uh, but they can't keep giving teams head starts no that's what I was saying before about tightening the defence up but I think we mentioned on last week's show didn't we they had two massive games coming up at Tottenham and, and Wolves both of them at home and they needed six points I think we all agreed last week they needed six points and they've got that six points by hook or by crook so um yeah, it's been a tough week for Pep, really. I mean, I know he was sort of, I don't want to say slagging the supporters off, but I think he was a bit a bit miff, really, wasn't it, the way they were, they were booed at half-time against Tottenham. And he's um, strange, really, isn't it? I mean, you've got to get behind the club, haven't you? And I think sometimes at Manchester City, there's a lot of expectation there, and you just expect the results to come, don't they? But you need to get behind the team, and 
you know, um, if they want to win that that Champions League and, and win that Premier League, it's tough. And sometimes you, as a player, you need the supporters, you need the extra man, don't you? So um, I'm sure uh, Manchester City need to get behind the team towards the end of the season and get behind Pep as well. Mm. It's a cup weekend for, for both our clubs. Uh, man United um, will play uh, Notts Forest. Uh, in in the League Cup uh, this weekend, uh, Man City will, like you say, will, will, will face Arsenal in, in the FA Cup, and it's you know that's what Cup football is all about. It's about excitement, and you're kind of hoping uh, that that you know you can both beat both United and City can beat the teams in front of them. I know United playing the FA Cup against Reading as well, so it'll be a tough uh, game for both. Yeah, it's the Reading game. Is it Saturday? I think yeah. it's eight o'clock Saturday night, isn't it? Mm-hmm. The Reading game. So, uh, so yeah, that's that's a tough game. You know, they're they're playing pretty well at the moment, aren't they? And a cup game as well. You know, Charlton. You know, give a good uh, account of themselves a few weeks ago, didn't they? Manchester City's FA Cup tie against the Hassle. That's an intriguing one, isn't it? That's Friday night. That one, I think, isn't it? So, yeah. uh, is that the BBC game? That one? Yeah, it will be. Yes, that's exciting. I'm looking forward to watching that if I get a chance on, on Friday night. But no, two two tough games for our local sides. But you can see Manchester United getting through there, can't you? And uh, I think the the other game, the, the Nottingham Forest, is that the League Cup game? Is that midweek, that one? Yeah. Is it two legs, that, Rob? The League Cup, yes. Yeah, so that, that's tough. You know, Forest have showed a lot of improvement recently, haven't they? Uh, for a side that looked dead and buried, didn't they, a, a few weeks ago, just before Christmas, they've uh, they've really improved and... You know, they've moved up the table. I think they've got about 21, 22 points now, and they they're not safe at the moment. But they're uh, they're not in a precarious position as what they were a few months ago. No, with a minute to go, Paul Salford FC had their game postponed this week because of a frozen pitch. They've got two games this week: one against Colchester, one against Crawley. Colchester nineteenth, Crawley twenty first, Salford in fifth. Opportunity to win there. Need six points, Rob. Need mm. six points, and I think at the weekend it was decimated, wasn't it? The uh, the, especially the League One and League Two, I don't think there was hardly any games. It surprised me. There's more games in Scotland, I think, than there was in uh, there was in England. It was that frozen and that cold, wasn't it? So yeah, six points definitely needed this week. Yeah, it's going to be super exciting. Obviously, Salford on the charge, uh, trying to get into the the next division. They've been on a great journey, haven't they? Uh, and you kind of hoping that they continue uh, that climb. Uh, we'll be talking all about it on the Sports Zone on Salford City Radio every week. We talk about football, we talk about rugby, we talk about boxing, we talk about UFC, we talk about ice hockey. Sometimes there's lots to go on on the Sports Zone on Salford City Radio. We're on Tuesdays and we're on Thursdays, so make sure you tune in for more Salford Sporting Chat on Salford City Radio. 